0: Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here with us today. And I'm thrilled to introduce our guest, Devin Galladay. What did you say your AK is, according to AT&T? Derwin?
1: <laughs> Derwin Gallanders. That Derwin is correct.
0: Gallanders. Listeners, yes. I just want to ask you what the funniest thing is that any telemarketer has ever called you. So if you want to go to the show notes page... Just leave a comment below. I mean, I'm sure you'll have other types of golden nuggets and thank yous and ahas that you can leave down there later, but you can find the show notes for today's episode. I just want to share it with you right away at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp496. Devin is the author of In the Know Traveler, and you've heard his wife, Morgana, on a f- previous episode. I probably just said her name wrong, so please apologize to her for me, but I'm so happy to have you here, Devin.
1: I'm excited to be here, Kim. This is going to be fun.
0: How many times have you two been married now?
1: We've been married 20 times and we're not we're not done.
0: Where are you going to get married next? Do you have any idea?
1: We do. Well, we've been discussing Uruguay and if we go to Uruguay, we'll probably bounce through southern south america so we'll probably do something in buenos Aires and perhaps in santiago chile as well and i think we get a stopover in lima peru so and i have some friends in lima so i think we will try to hit all four of those places
0: amazing and this episode is all about you but i just thought of a question i never even thought about asking her does she wear the same dress every time you get married or does she have one for each different location
1: you know, I think she has a default dress, but in many of the locations that we have gone.
0: Is it need of attire?
1: Yeah, sometimes. So absolutely. Cool. Like we got married by the minister of culture in Turkey in an 800 year old farmhouse. Mm. And they had quite literally borrowed some 15th century wedding attire. And that's what we wore. Wow. Yeah, it was hilarious was really fun. And matter of fact, they had a, it was a friend of mine who who put together the wedding and a Turkish guy. And he said, well, is there anything else that you want? And I said, you know, I want my wife to come in on a horse. And so they brought her in on a horse and the horse had its own horse. And so she came a in. The
0: horse had its own horse.
1: Wherever this one horse went, there was a second horse that just followed it. So we had two horses. I was not on the other horse, but she was brought in basically with two horses, which wow. I kind of, I sort of love that idea.
0: So I have to ask, did the horse intent, like, was it meant to follow it or was it just like a tag along that's his buddy and it follows it everywhere?
1: I think they were just horse pals.
0: Huh. Now, this is totally unrelated, but I have to share this funny story. I have two cats that are personally mine. There's five in our house, a couple in an intentional my cat, Fortune, has decided it is Mary's little lamb in the feline form. Mm. And if it's outside between 8, 8.20 in the morning, it follows kids to school a couple blocks away and then sits in the school window all day meowing at the kids. So we have gotten numerous phone calls from the school. Can you come pick up Fortune? He's here again.
1: <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: Just, yeah. Yeah. The kids think it's hilarious. The teachers don't appreciate it. I think it's hysterical. But, I, you
1: know, no, I would totally. I think that's the greatest cat that's ever been.
0: Yeah, and even the receptionists laugh. Like, I'll see, you know, who's calling on the caller ID, and like, he's there again, and they just laugh. Yep. Can you come pick him up? <laughs> so, we will. We met, what, six months ago now, Devin?
1: It was a long time ago. It was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. And yeah. there, was, there was a crazy story that you shared at the event that we were at. Can you? That's
1: quite possible.
0: It was about ashes.
1: Okay, so the long story and the short, and I mean this with love in my heart, but here's the, the blunt version. Is that okay? Yes. My father was a liar, a thief, and a con man. And I attempted to be just like him because he was my hero. And for the early part of my adulthood, I totally nailed it. And there was a point where I had realized that this was not a sustainable lifestyle. And I sort of made it changes and uh, we sort of drifted apart. And I eventually got a call from his seventh wife letting me know that his last request was to be scattered off the coast of Cadiz, Spain, while Ave Maria was being sung. He was not Spanish. um, But he was really an interesting, bizarre character. I ended up with the ashes. And then I managed to lose them. So if you are wondering what a person is doing... When they lose their father's ashes, then you can look towards me. And of course, as you might imagine, there's a much bigger story attached that hopefully taps on universal themes. But there's a lot of dark humor and ridiculousness, as you might imagine, in sort of talking about family and love and absolute absurdity.
0: Like, I remember hearing this story, and I was absolutely silent in the room when you were sharing the story. And I think I accidentally laughed because I wasn't sure. Like, it just came out. Like, oh, my gosh. And I felt like I I was back to my childhood in church when something just struck me as funny. Like, at the most inopportune time, like in the middle of the homily, I was raised Catholic. And, Mm. you know, you can't contain it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I know I shouldn't be laughing, but that is... Yeah.
1: If I'm honest with you, I, I want you to laugh. I want you to revel in the ridiculousness of life. I mean, we were we had actually a really lovely conversation, you and I, just before you pressed the play button, and we were talking about the universe having a, a sense of humor.
0: Uh huh.
1: And I think there is. I mean, without question. Um, you know, I wrote a book about this, as you know. And there is a fair amount of tragedy, but at the same time, you can only take that tragedy so far unless you're really hoping that it will debilitate you. Right. So at some point, there has to be humor found in some of these awful circumstances. Like, you know, when I found out the ashes were gone was a moment of absolute terror. Now I can look back and go, wow, that is nutty. Nutty in a grand, special way.
0: Yeah. Did you ever find out where they went?
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think my publisher would jump up and down and say, no, you're not supposed to talk about those things. What I can say is that, you know, again, that's sort of the hook to the larger story that has to do with how do you, how do you love someone and, and who, I mean, my father's still my greatest hero without question, but I think in a, in a larger context, he sort of left me the blueprint of who it is I did not want to be at all. Right and still try to take all the wonderful qualities that he possessed. So, I mean, that's much more of what the story is all about.
0: I love that roundabout answer. That was awesome. <laughs> so I want to know, though, how did you go from your early adult, maybe not on the right path way? I mean, it was the right path for then, because it brought you to where you are now, to mm-hmm. where you are now, to traveling the world, making money for... I mean, you're, you're a travel jur- journalist, yeah?
1: Well, I have a number of websites that are all travel related. And yes, so I have been very, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're, you know, we've gotten married around the world in the way that we have is because I've just been in the travel universe for uh, 17 years now, really long time. And what was the question? All of a sudden, I was going to answer something else.
0: How did you get into this?
1: Into the travel world? Yes. You know, I begged. And I'm not even kidding. I had actually, I was one of those guys with the rucksack and with the patches all over the backpack, that kind of guy. And I remember, can I tell you, it's a little bit of a long story.
0: Oh, please. I love long stories.
1: I was in Iceland. And before I left, uh, and this was 20 plus years ago. The only way you could find an Icelander is they had an email with a .is extension on it. And so, you know, I tracked these people down. I found 170 people, something like that. And I wrote them all the same letter. And I didn't know anybody. I said, hey, I'm coming to your country. I don't know why you're coming to, my, to your country. As a matter of fact, what I did was I told friends when they said, why are you going to Iceland? I said, well, I'm going to scream naked on a fjord. That's my calling. That was not true. But I wrote these 170 Icelanders and said, hey, I'm coming to your country. I don't know why. I'm really excited. I don't know why I'm drawn to your country, but I need to go. And anything you tell me will be a wonderful thing. Like, tell me what's your favorite restaurant. And if nothing else... Please wish me luck because I'm really excited. I got one response. The one response I got was from a woman who is now like sort of a head of a political party and has been in Icelandic parliament for years. But at the time, she was like a poet and just a really smart go-getter kind of person. And after I returned, we would exchange these letters. And all of her letters had like 10 links at the bottom of her many, many projects and her many, many talents. And I would just be like, I'm doing nothing and I'm unemployed. And I finally, after being disgruntled with myself, I quite literally wrote a little story and attached it to an email. And she wrote me back and said, Hey, you know, you didn't look at the third link from the bottom, because that talks about this call for submissions for a book that I'm putting together. I can't promise anything. It's past the due date, but I'll guarantee that it gets read. And, but you have to write a new story. And so I wrote a new story and I didn't hear back from her, but a few months later I heard back from an Italian publisher. It was a cute little story. And Basically, the Italian publisher said you're on page 52, and the Dalai Lama's on a page 108. And this, wow. for me, was like the greatest drug ever. I mean, this was thrilling beyond belief. And all I wanted to do is keep writing. Now, keep in mind, I was not a good writer. In my humble opinion, I remember growing up and a third grade teacher, Mrs. Jones. Who is long since dead, I can only hope, she quite literally handed me back a writing assignment and said, hey, listen, don't be a writer. Don't waste your time. Take a lot of woodshop classes. And I believed her.
0: No way. So, that is no, so wrong.
1: It's wrong. And that's why, I'm. and again, I'm saying all this stuff about her a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Um, but it was true. Like this, That's what she said. I did take a lot of woodshop classes. I can fix almost everything in your house. And I loved books and I loved reading and I loved storytelling. And so I, you know, being in this, this little anthology was really exciting for me. And I started calling up everybody I knew and said, hey, do you know anybody who knows anybody who can, you know, publish my articles? And I ended up in office With a travel person, and I love travel. And I said, I want to write for you. And he goes, I don't need you. And I said, I totally get that. But one day you're going to be in a bind. And if you are, please think of me. And he goes, Yeah, but I won't need you. And I said, I totally get that. But if you are in a bind, think of me. Yeah, no, I have a million people writing for me. I don't need you. And this went back and forth until he was like, Okay, we're done. And then, like, a month later, he called me up and he says, can you be on a plane to Mexico and do you have a valid passport in three days? Oh, my gosh. And I said, how much will it cost me? And he chuckled. And long story short, I ended up in Mexico and I threw down my – I remember going to the the lobby and, and you know went to sort of like that thing where the, the reception people are. And I put my rucksack down there. And uh, quite literally, I said, hi, I'm Devin. And they're like, oh, Mr. Galladay. And they like like did one of those. And a bunch of people lined up and they gave me like a lay of flowers and a tropical drink. And the assistant manager at the hotel came over to me and put his arm around me and walked me off to the side and said, Mr. Galladay, anything you want. And I said, I want all the lyrics to Cuando Caliente de Sol. And I want a patch for my backpack that says Mexico. And he looked at me like I was an idiot. And he's like, yeah, he said, yeah, that's that is not a problem. And so by the end of the by the end of that trip, which, by the way, was a beautiful four star resort that was sort of like cut into the jungle um, outside of I think it was Playa del Carmen, so, super great place. And that's what I did. That's what I did. And I thought, this is fantastic. I've started publishing articles and writing about travel and really trying to encourage people to kind of leave the United States. Not permanently, but to just explore because we are so, in many ways, very insular about what other what's happening in other uh, countries and around the world.
0: I have a confession. I'm going to be 40 in the spring. I have mm-hmm. no problem showing my age on here. I have not had a passport Wait, let me think. I got a passport when I was 17 so that my family could go to England. Mm-hmm. But I have not had a passport since that one expired. And I keep on saying every year, I'm going to get a new passport. I'm going to get a new passport. I'm going to get a new passport. Why haven't I gotten a new passport?
1: That is a fascinating question. And my my answer is, is that that is easily remedied.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's easily I know, rem- you know, I've had so many kids. <laughs>
1: Oh, Since yeah, no, that's fair. Then,
0: but now, I mean, we're thinking, I've never gone on a honeymoon, Devin. Never mind, I've been married twice, and I haven't gone on a honeymoon for either. Not even just like to the Motel 6 down the road.
1: How did, you, how did you work that out? I would. Isn't there a guy you could say, call your husband and say, hey, we need to remedy this thing?
0: Yeah, well, so the first husband and I got married for the wrong reasons. We were pregnant.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, that the happens. right
0: reason, but the wrong reason. But right. I, don't, I don't personally believe, and listeners, you can leave your comments on the show notes. I don't personally think that you should get married because you're pregnant. Like, I, w- I will not allow, if I have anything to do with it, I will not allow my children to get married because they are pregnant.
1: Mm.
0: I'm not saying that they won't get pregnant before they're married, but you, g- you have to get married for love. My So, that was my husband. My husband now and I, we just didn't want to wait. We had to be back at work on Monday, but we had no reason to wait. And <laughs> we just knew we wanted to get married right then. Mm-hmm. So we did. And, and he's a good guy. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. I was oh, recording that's... a podcast this morning and he comes out here and because and, he, he works at home. He's a video game developer and he raises his eyebrows and he rubs his stomach, you know, because we speak via brainwaves. Can you and Morgana do that? Like you just look at each other and you know what each other wants?
1: She tends to say that we are two people with a single brain. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if that's true because, you know, I think part of it is um, I have a a strong personal belief that women are the fairer, uh, more nurturing, smarter, certainly uh, emotionally intelligent, far superior gender. And I think we as men are mostly here to move things from one room to another. So I I think I'm not going to argue you. (laughs) No, I I didn't think that you would. Why would you?
0: Yeah.
1: I think she uh, is operating on a different level than I am. And I'm just like, you know, do you want me to carry something heavy? And I do that. And she smiles warmly at me like I've just accomplished something of relevance.
0: Yeah, I'm like open so, open this up. You know, right. Yeah. No, she hands
1: me she hands me uh mayonnaise jars. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Actually I shouldn't say that 'cause she would she would not eat mayonnaise. That's just her. Yeah. But she hands me jars that I have to open and she's impressed and you know, makes moony faces at me, which gives me a little you know it's like a little pep talk.
0: Yeah yeah we just recently bought the house that we've been living in for four and a half years, like we just bought it two years or two months ago. Many and blessings, thank you. It's such a feat and by the end, the mortgage agent that we were working with, she totally knew that I was filling out all the paperwork. I hope this doesn't get us in trouble, but she was basically just calling me Mrs. David because she knew who was actually emailing all the documents back to her. <laughs> uh-huh yeah. so when anybody calls needing you know account information or this or that he just yells in the background you have my permission to talk to her <laughs> she knows everything <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah i'm with you i'm with you on all of those things
0: but i'm trying to push back like no you take some of that because i have enough now but he does all the cooking because i do all the burning
1: right I got gotcha. you. No, my, my, I do all the cooking as well. And she has uh, blamed me about weight gain and things like mm, that, that it's, yep. it is my fault. Uh, but I do cook with butter and oil because mm-hmm. it makes things really more delicious. But yeah, she, she won't cook. She, that's not, and it's not her thing.
0: Oh no, it's not my thing either.
1: She has other things to be concerned with and, and, you know, harmoniously we figure it out. So I'm, I'm happy to do some cooking for her.
0: Where is your favorite place that you have traveled to? Do you have a favorite place?
1: I have a whole slew of different places. I have visited Greenland, and I can't call it a favorite place, but I I consider it a fascinating place. Okay. Because you can get cell reception on the polar ice cap, at least some portions of it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can do that. And the language, I took a language class there and it's, I think it's considered to be one of the most difficult languages to speak period bar none. And there's nothing like it. And they have a written language and it just, it's just a series of prefixes and suffixes and words that stretch out a mile long and they have icebergs and beauty. And I ate polar bear. And they all like catch their own seals and they eat it for six months and then they make the seal pants into – or they make seal into pants and they use the bones for all kinds of things. I mean like nothing goes to waste in Greenland. It's a fascinating, uh, stark – I don't know how anybody survived there. I mean I was there and it was like minus minus 40 and the wind's blowing and you're just kind of skating. It'll take you away. I mean, and when could be sled- warm,
0: then I would love to see the beauty of it. But I cannot stand being cold.
1: I went dog sledding and I had the Gore Tex and I had like two layers of silks and I had all the gore-tex and I had the giant parka that kind of made the cone in front of your face. And I had the mask on and I had the goggles. And there's little holes on the sides of the goggles and air would come through the sort of like the funnel from the parka and go into the holes in the goggles and freeze my eyes. It was insane. It's so cold. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. But I'm really glad I went and I like warm. I'm a Southern California person. So, yeah, I don't quite understand the whole Greenland thing, but it was remarkable. And I'm so glad that I went. And then of course, places like Japan, Highland, I'm a huge fan of Mexico. I mean, we just got back. And so I've probably been to Mexico 45 times thereabouts. Remarkable. Yeah. Really remarkable place. That's just unique and interesting. And the food's great and the people are great. And so, so there you go.
0: So I am so intrigued, like, at the event that you and I met at, there was somebody speaking who said, you know, if you like to travel, you can write it off for business expenses. Like, you could, for me and my family, like, we could take a vacation, write a blog article, and technically write it all off. Yeah. Which intrigues me so much. But then it's like, how are you going to make your money? Like, I remember, and I don't think this episode ever released. I'm sort of curious now, whatever happened to it. Before I launched the podcast, I had... interviewed somebody. I was going to do two different podcasts. I don't know if you you know that, Devin, and I scratched one idea. I'm so happy I did. But she traveled the world and she had different resorts paying her to stay there and then write articles about it. And Mm -hmm. she never had to pay and she always stayed at pet-friendly places so she could take her animal with her and then they were paying for the air travel. Mm -hmm. I just want to know, you know, somewhere that I don't have to fly, I think I know where you'll say to go, where you don't have to fly halfway around the world and spend Twenty-six hours on an airplane to go to a tropical location with my husband. I have a feeling you will say Mexico, but now I might just be putting words. Yeah, on no, that.
1: you can. You could totally do. You could totally do Mexico. Mexico is great. I have a lot of love for it. But I mean, honestly, you could do an overnight flight and end up in a place like the Cook Islands, in Rarotonga, and and to me, you could take a second smaller plane and go to Aitutaki, which I think is probably the most beautiful place I've ever been. And I've been to many, many, many beautiful places. I mean, it's remarkable. It's stunning.
0: How many countries have you been to? Uh,
1: 85.
0: Wow. How many countries are there in the world? Do you know?
1: There's a whole series of debates. I think the UN thinks there's 206, but I think from some other standpoint that there's only 196. And then there is a group of people who believe that the destinations really define the country rather than geopolitical things. Mm -hmm. And they say there's like 326 countries. In other words, like as an example, Greenland is not a separate country. It's actually part of Denmark. But really? I assure you, yeah, but I assure you going to Greenland is in no way similar to going to Denmark.
0: Wow. Yeah, I just so, actually Googled it and the, there's not one number. How fascinating. And you've been yeah. to how many again? 80-something.
1: I've been to 85. Wow. Yeah,
0: I've been to three.
1: Three is good. Yeah, Three is a good. starting place. Yep, Three. Yep. Hey, here's the thing. I think that if you have a desire to travel, the world is your oyster.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: And it's just a matter of putting forth. I think a lot of people don't travel. And part of the reason why I started my websites is to encourage people to travel. In other words, if I tell you, like, it's very easy to say, oh, Mexico is very unsafe because you read something in the news mm. And I understand that. Like, I think if you showed up in certain areas in Mexico and were trying to buy or sell pounds and pounds of cocaine and had like thousands and thousands of dollars of cash on you at three o'clock in the morning, you are probably going to find problems. But if you are looking to go to a cute town and have some tacos and wander around and stay on the beach at a resort – you are not going to have any problems.
0: Yeah. I mean, you could look at any town or village anywhere and say, oh, maybe this isn't the best neighborhood. I mean, I could tell you where in my town you might not want sure. to stay away from. And I live in a nice suburb. Yeah. yeah.
1: No, absolutely. We can't believe so, what we
0: see on the news all the time.
1: Well, I think you have to understand that travel is not breaking news. Right. Right. You know what I mean? We got we jumped into a 24-hour news cycle, and I think they're just grabbing whatever fascinating thing or sort of like clickbait information that they can to kind of gre- to get you because we have so many things competing for each other that you're really not going to find all the good stuff. You're just going to find the bad stuff that wants to give you nightmares and make you stay at home.
0: Oh, but, I love that you brought that up. Can I share a quick story? Please. So – My husband watches a lot of political. I'm not going to put out there what side he watches. And I was intrigued by a story, so I was looking up to find some more. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes this YouTube series out of, I think, Houston. It's Fox. And it's this new station. They go out and they give back to the community, like totally surprise people. I'll have to put a link to it in the show notes. But I was... Prior to finding this YouTube station, I was totally sucked up in drama, and I was being led from one story about politics to another. It doesn't matter what year you're listening to this, I'm sure there's still the same going on. <laughs> and then out of that comes this huge, refreshing channel. And by the way, in the middle of finding the station, I was, I was down for about 10 days with a really bad kidney infection. Mm. No joke, this awesome, refreshing YouTube station had about... 40 different segments of the same thing on it. I spent the next three days watching one segment after another. My five-year-old ended up sitting next to me and watching a whole bunch. She asked me just yesterday or the day before, Mama, can we watch another one of those where they go out there and they give things to people? This was a month ago that we were watching Mm. this. It touched my heart so much to know that she remembered watching those because that's what I want her to remember. Of all the yeah. things that she can see on the internet, it's amazing that she remembered that.
1: There are a lot of good people doing good things running around the world, period. And I think, though, the stuff that gets presented to us is usually not that, because there needs to be, I think there's a belief that there has to be some wild reaction to everything that's happening around us and in in some cases i believe that's true i mean i think we're supposed to stand up for each other and treat each other with kindness and and love and all that kind of stuff and some days it's very difficult to do that but i think we're looking to receive compassion most of us for being human and so that just means we should probably be doing the same for other people who may be less fortunate or maybe headed down a wrong path yeah and again i just think this is all human stuff you know right yeah, so I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful that and and I, I wish I had some really great answer for you in terms of like, Oh yeah, go to these go to this YouTube channel because then everybody's just being kind and treating each other nicely. You know, but you as mom get to kinda hold her hand. I mean, this is what I did for my kid. I tried to give her as much love and support so she had enough confidence to go out and go after whatever it is that she wanted to go after, even though sometimes the world can be a a scary place.
0: Oh, yeah. I actually, I've shared this on the podcast before, but a few months back, I was, my soon-to-be 16-year-old and I were just headbutting a lot, and he was getting down on himself, and I actually told him to read Think Better, Live Better. Oh, I Joel don't know that Osteen. one. And oh, okay. So, it does have a Christian slant, but it was totally spot on. You think better, think positively, and I don't doubt at all because I've experienced it myself. The better I think, the better I live. The more positive I think, the more positive my life is. And maybe it's rose-colored glasses that I can't see, right? If I had been thinking negatively the whole time, that I wouldn't be where I am now because I just wouldn't have tried. Mm -hmm. But by thinking that I can do more, thinking that I can be more, thinking that I can do whatever I tell myself I can do, it's opened up those doors of opportunity. I mean, look at you, you sat with that guy and you told him over and over again, well, if the need ever arises, and all of a sudden, they're a month later. I have to ask, going back to that story, mm-hmm. how much more did you work with him? I still do. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, but you know, keep in mind, a lot of it has to do with I tended to deliver what I said that I was, Mm -hmm. you know, if I said, if he was like, okay, the assignment is 800 words, I would make sure that I would turn in 800 words. If the assignment was longer or less, or it was due on Thursday, then, uh, my job was to make sure that I got it in on Thursday. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of people who want to do You know, I work with writers. People send me articles almost every day. And more often than not, you can kind of tell within an email or two whether or not they're actually going to deliver the thing that they're promising. Yeah. Most of them don't. Yeah. You know, I quite literally people will say, oh, I want to do what you do. Great. Write me a story. Yeah. About what? I don't know. Just tell me about something you love. And then more often than not, they won't do it. And, I mean, I've sent people around the world on on trips the same way I was set. And most people won't follow up. Most people don't care to follow up. I mean, I think they like the idea more than the reality of what that means.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? The, yeah, the pers- no, I totally get it. The person that you were describing, like where hotels are, you know, sending them places and doing that kind of thing, that's a reality. That's a reality. And, that's, and I will say it's fairly competitive. But a lot of those people, you know, they do it once or twice, and then they don't want to pursue it any further for one of 10,000 reasons. But if you are reliable and honest and actually do what you say you're going to do, have a measure of integrity, you know, I just believe the world is your oyster. I don't know if it's a disagreement with you. Because I think I like I don't believe I can control my thoughts. I think what I can do is control my actions. Mm -hmm. So if, how do I describe this? Like, I think what I can do is I can walk tall and I think I can push out my chest and I can lift up my chin when I'm feeling depressed. That tends to have a helpful thing to my thought process because I, I'm very capable of getting depressed and sad and, and look at the world to go, oh, my gosh, there's so many terrible things going on. But I matter of fact, they did a study. I I wish I could think of the study off the top of my head, but basically where they would work with people and say they basically have them do facial configurations until they came up with a smile. And then as each configuration happened, they would find out, well, how are you feeling? What's your emotional state now? And the idea of putting your face into a smile actually did something to your emotional state.
0: Oh, I can totally see that.
1: Right, and so those oh, kinds a fake of fake
0: smile and a real smile,
1: totally, totally. But but I think the fake and real is whether or not you're providing the fake or real. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. if so, if you are following directions to smile, and you do that actually helps your, and this is just like a clinical thing. Like, in other words, it's not saying, okay, uh, make a sad face. How do you feel? Make a happy face. How do you feel? I think that's one thing. But I think this particular trial was much more about, okay, uh, raise your eyebrow. Okay, try to do this. And once they did it sort of in a kind of like backed somebody into smiling, that's where the changes started taking place. I can see that. Yeah. And so I think, so what I try to do is because sometimes I, you know, I want to just say, oh, I'm going to think happy thoughts and be really strong. I know people do that. I'm not necessarily one of them. Mm -hmm. So, but I do know that my posture changes based upon how I'm feeling. And so there is an element, you know, sometimes you just have to kind of take some responsibility. And it's like, okay, because I've done some talking and presentations and things like that. And sometimes it's like, okay, I can feel my shoulders drooping. That's the wrong time. Like, okay, now I need to back straight, stand up and go out there like I kick butt, even though I'm fairly sure that I don't.
0: This is not necessarily related to what we were just talking about, except posture. I just Hmm. saw on Instagram in the last week, an advertisement For a posture-correcting device. This is not an affiliate promotion for them. I can't remember (laughs) what it's called. It's, like, taped to your back. Mm -hmm. I I was laughing when I saw the ad because it reminded me of the invisible fence collars that my parents used to have on our dogs when we were younger. Oh, right. But it basically buzzes or zaps. I don't think it actually zaps, but it vibrates and sort of shocks you back into sitting up straight. And it's connected to an app on your phone, so you can actually monitor how much of your day you are spent in correct posture versus how much you are spent slouching.
1: That so, is fascinating. See that that's the thing I would want to know if they have a uh, a study like where somebody like oh you know keep your back straight and feel better. Yeah. In your brain, you know what I mean? Like all of a sudden go oh you're going to be a happier person because your back is straight. So like part of me now wants to buy that. And I've seen that ad. But now I'm just you're like the person who's like connected the dots between what I was just talking about in terms of like, OK, stand up straight and tall and go work your stuff out and having a having a brace do that for you. Although, yeah. I don't know, it's, wearing got me, a...
0: it's got me just seeing the ad it has me thinking more about my posture during the day. It's amazing. I mean, I'm trusting right now. I just got to be totally honest.
1: Well, I keep going back and forth, like where I'm sort of slouching to speak closer to the microphone, Uh but knowing that I'm talking about my posture and feeling good about the world, now I'm straightening my back, so I'm probably a little bit further away from the mic.
0: The reason why I don't sit up more, though, is because my chair makes this obnoxious farting sound (laughs) when Um, I
1: move.
0: I don't need... I don't need for <laughs> sounds coming through on my podcast. <laughs>
1: no, that was that would probably be uh, frowned upon. Either that, yeah. or you get a whole new class of juveniles who are playing beer pong and laughing as yeah. you're pretending to break wind yeah. out into the inter- internets.
0: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Oh, speaking of travel, though, have you found a remedy? Okay, this is totally inappropriate, and I'm sorry, but it is sort of juvenile question. Mm-hmm. I was just recently traveling back from Austin, flying, and somebody passed wind on the airplane. And I know sometimes it's uncontrollable. But have you found any way to protect your nasal passages on an airplane?
1: Uh, You know, I honestly, like, I think there's certain things that I just kind of accept. Now, that said, actually, I do have a remedy. I tend to, because my ears pop, like, you know, when you take off and you land, and sometimes when you're landing, it can be actually quite uncomfortable if you've been, you know, like you're on a long flight. So I tend to bring with me sort of like a menthol oil that I will wipe under my nose that will help keep my sinuses clear. And then I will also uh, take like a cough lozenge, again, a menthol one.
0: Oh, that would help so much.
1: Yes. And so I tend to then only now I'm not, I didn't bring this stuff because of somebody's irritable bowel syndrome. But I did bring it for the ear popping thing. Yeah. And I think that actually quells somebody else's, you know, uh, vapors.
0: Yeah, no, I would rather smell smell that under my nose than somebody else's vapors. Right. Listeners, I'm sorry, I just had to ask. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. (laughs) I, I'm just always, and I know it's uncontrollable sometimes. But I was just like, oh, I was shaking my head in my seat. I was like, really, really.
1: Yeah, but where are you going to go? No I, I don't. You're in a flying metal tube. Yeah. With recycled air.
0: Yep. Very.
1: True. So there's nowhere to go, and I, you know, there. I, I must admit, I don't know if I would be capable of holding it for hours upon hours sure. on a long flight. Yeah. So I'm assuming at some point, really, all I'm doing is breathing in an entire plane's gas.
0: Yep. Very true. Where are you excited to go next, Devin?
1: Let's see. Honestly, I haven't been to Chicago in... 20 plus years, because last time I went, it was February, uh, February, and it was just beyond crazy freezing Mm -hmm. icicles, horrifying. And so I haven't been back in many years. So I'm going back there for a uh, book reading and signing next month, which is going to be a lot of fun, and spend some time with my sister, who has complained every six months that I haven't been to Chicago in 25 years. So... That's where I'm, where I'm
0: jealous. Going. I went to school there. I haven't been back in 17 years. I miss the food.
1: Yeah, well, I, you're going to get – honestly, I haven't had a real White Castle hamburger nor a Vienna dog in many, many years. Yep. And that's what I want. I want that. And I want a big, fat, thick slice of uh,
0: Chicago Spisa. stuff. Yeah, totally. Yep.
1: Totally. That's what I want. And I want to wa- I want to walk around, you know, the lake a little bit and, you know, hang around with sister and, yeah. and talk about our really, really ridiculous father.
0: <laughs> Sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. So that's what's uh, coming up for me. And then I'm actually heading to Austin. And then, uh, as I said before, my wife and I are talking about uh, perhaps doing some sort of South America thing. She's never been.
0: She's never been to South America.
1: She has never been to South. Most, a lot of people haven't been to South America.
0: Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I mean, I've been to three countries, including. The United <laughs> right. States, so what, who, who am I saying?
1: So yeah. what's what's the third? Because we know, we know about England, right?
0: Canada. But I was also born and raised in Rochester, New York. So Canada was like a hop, skip and a jump away. And it was before the day of needing a passport to go over.
1: Right. And so, you, you have, and you say a boot?
0: Sometimes, Yes.
1: Accident. So, no, it's okay. It's not a critical thing, but I always relate that to sort of a Canadian thing.
0: Yeah. So, I was born in Rochester. So, once in a while, the Canada comes through. And then I went to Chicago for school. I moved to New York City after college. So, once in a while, I'll get the, the hot dog or coffee. Right, you know? right, right, right. And now I live in Ohio where we, where we sometimes get a little bit of Southern. So, my husband will laugh at me because in any conversation, he can hear any mix of all three. Sometimes L3.
1: That's very funny. And that's interesting because Ohio is known for, and this is completely, we're just going all over the place. Is that okay? Oh, I'm totally it's totally okay. So I finished reading a book called Hillbilly Elegy just recently. It's a monstrously popular book. And part of it talks about the migration of many sort of like uh, hill people communities that left to move to places in Ohio. So there's a huge southern bent that is happening in Ohio and has been for 40 or 50 years. I could see that. Yep. That's pretty interesting stuff.
0: Definitely. I've actually had to – my five-year-old has been saying ain't lately. And I'm not saying it's a southern thing, but it's more prevalent around here and in the south, I think. And this could be just me stereotyping here. But – Growing up in Western New York, ain't wasn't a thing. So I've been having to remind her that in our house, ain't is not a word.
1: Right. Even though she said it.
0: Yes, even though she said it. Right. They learn all types of crazy things to take care.
1: Yeah. They, I'm sure, without a doubt, without a doubt, they're out there being in the world. And I just wanted to say that originally my family, Galladay. Originally, when they came to the United States, they settled in Rochester, New York for years. Really? Yes. I mean, they were there for something like multiple centuries until I think it was my great grandfather went on the lamb, which is not surprising knowing my family tree, and he removed one of the L's from his last name huh. and went to Chicago to claim. Where did they come s- from? Uh, originally france okay Gallaudet is a a french uh, is a french name if you go back far enough but i mean again i think the Gallaudets came and landed in rochester new york and stayed there for centuries i mean i don't think there's a million of them um and obviously people move around but i think that's kind of that was sort of like their their spot for a very very long time
0: rochester is a big melting pot
1: I imagine. So I don't think I've ever been there. Yeah. I've been to New York many times, but not to Rochester. Is that upstate?
0: It is. It's about an hour from Buffalo to the east.
1: Oh, that's frightening because that is why I was in Buffalo last year and it was really
0: cold. Yes, very cold. Really cold. I'm, I'm quite happy being down in Dayton where we might get a half an inch of snow, you know, and if we get a quarter inch, then school's closed.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. That's all? I thought it was just be snowing in Ohio.
0: Up north, yes. Like Cleveland on the lake, is, mm-hmm. it gets a lot of snow in the winter. But down here in Dayton, it's usually January, February by the time we see any type of significant snow. But there's a limit. Like they don't stockpile salt or sand or whatever they use to clear it or melt it. Mm-hmm. And there's not, you know, a whole parking lot full of Plows, so there's a limit on how fast they can clear and take care of the roads. So, so it, it, it just shuts. I guess
1: I guess nobody's worried about cold, not really, or something. Yeah, no. Well, I've learned something new about Dayton, Ohio.
0: I mean, we have tulips here in in March. Like back really? In, yeah, back in Rochester, we might not get tulips until. Late April, May, but here we always have them before Easter, which is amazing.
1: <laughs> I'm this is I'm getting so much stuff about Dayton today.
0: Yeah, well, I've gotten so much off of you, and now I'm just I'm actually excited. I I want to know how to travel with my family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, people ask all the time, "How are you able to podcast with five kids?" Well, you just can't. You make it work, right? And the same with traveling with five kids. I want to figure out because I'm actually trying to plan a Disney vacation for the family for February.
1: You can. That's all I can say is, is that you can. I mean, I can. It's, the, it's the same way. You're podcasting. How do you do it with five kids? I think what it is is that people just sometimes it's just not a priority. So people don't do the thing that even if they want to do it, even if it sounds great on paper, they just won't. Without question, can you go to our Disneyland or Disney World?
0: Disney World. And I know Disney we can World. totally do it. We just need to commit to it now.
1: You just have to commit to it. Yeah. And even if it's like, oh, we're going to put coins in a jug and oh, in yeah. a year or two years, then you just do that. And then you just go. That's yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Done. Yeah.
1: But I, do your kids need a passport? I'm trying to figure out what the deal is with the kids for traveling because they oh, need something. They Disney. need an ID.
0: For Disney? No. Well, to no, get, no. I mean, a, oh, to mean get to, on a plane, they need to get on they a, need ID even at three and five to get on a plane.
1: I'm not sure how they do it. Like, I remember getting a passport for, for my daughter, but she was, in fact, leaving the country. But I think to get on a plane, I'm trying to remember because I haven't traveled with the kids in well, my daughter in years and years. So I don't know.
0: Devin, if any of your publisher connections want a series on traveling with five kids where I can do the research on how to do that, put them in touch with me. I'll do the homework. All right. I'll be the hamster or the guinea pig.
1: Well, I think that's what you – I mean, honestly, there's your first story right there. Hey, I was talking to this travel guy about me going to Disney World, and nobody knew whether or not my kids needed ID. I thought I would find out. Here's the scoop. And then you go. Go. There. I just wrote your opening paragraph. Love it. It Wasn't a good opening paragraph, but it, in my witiness. I, be, I have no doubt that you will infuse yourself into the into the story. Yeah, but, but that's where it starts. To go though. down
0: the X-ray, you know, conveyor belt. That would be pretty fun, actually.
1: Oh yeah, because TSA <laughs> really has a sense of humor. <laughs> we talked about the universe having a sense of humor. I can assure you that TSA does not.
0: Does not completely opposite. No.
1: Yeah, no, they are yeah. humorless.
0: Oh my gosh. I experienced yeah. that in Austin last week. Yeah.
1: Oh, really? What happened?
0: Oh, I was actually quite amused by watching people go through the priority travel line
1: in the uh, security. Yes.
0: But I was getting through, and they were still like, it took, even though they sped way up ahead of me and got in five people ahead of me, they're the ones who had a couple books in their bag and got stopped because TSA thought it looked like C4. Yeah, there's no humor over like, are you serious? These are a couple of books and you think it looks like C4? Yeah,
1: you know, when I was taking my father to scatter him, he got stuck in the conveyor belt. I mean, he didn't get physically stuck. But when he came out the other side of that tube, TSA was on him. And I'm like squealing, you know, hey, that's. That's dad. And they're like, well, we have to swab him anyway, because he might be a bomb or wow. I don't remember what they said, but it was like, no, like, hey, we're really sorry, but we have to swab him anyway, just to make sure that, you know, you're not a terrorist.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow.
1: But we moved forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Devin, this chat has been so entertaining. I actually, I want to have a part two with you because I feel like we can talk about so more. And actually, I I do want to explore how to travel with five kids.
1: Well it's again, it's easy. I mean, I think the largest issue is having a way to travel confidently in a crowded place with little kids.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: You've got because you've got some little kids. You know, one thing that I did, and I don't know if it's the most brilliant idea, but I remember taking my daughter when she was tiny, where she was like, you know, she was old enough to communicate. She's walking on her own. She doesn't always want to hold my hand. And I remember uh, a friend telling me, oh, you write your phone number on their arm, like in case somehow they got separated. I now love that. I, uh, But I mean, in a place like Disneyland, it, it could, on a crowded day, it would take like a half a second to be potentially separated.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You now, know, I've never liked the idea of those kid leashes before. Yeah. But at Disney, we would totally be using those because my kids, especially my twins, they just take off. Yeah, no, of a, you got to. And, and going to the grocery store with all three, oh my gosh, what a headache. Going to the grocery store is hard enough. Can't imagine Disney. But I have <laughs> <laughs> listeners, our littles know that they are not going to Disney until number one, they stop using potty mouths because they talk about poop and pee and anything bathroom related all the time. Because so it's them,
1: endlessly fascinating. It is, I
0: but I told them they can't go meet the princesses if they're going to use potty mouth. I mean, what are they going to do? Go up to Cinderella and talk about poops? I told them that's not okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's probably not okay. However, I think they have specially trained Cinderellas and, and Little Mermaids who are just going to smile and wave no matter what their your kid says. I would. Like I for sure,
0: Cinderella just came back with a, you know. That would you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah no, I think she'd be fired on the spot, and there would yeah, be a oh, giant, totally. a giant like vacuum hose that came from the sky to suck her away. Oh
0: totally, yeah. Yeah no, and Disney's, then, and then and then my three year old son, we also told him he's not going until, until he is completely potty trained. So he he is on full force ahead, like making sure that he's going to the potty every time. It's about time.
1: I think these are wonderful goals. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the joy of being a human, our steps of evolution.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Wow. So when do you, okay, have you actually planned out your date yet?
0: Yes. Uh, President's Day weekend in February, and I've already contacted a, a Disney travel agent. Actually, their email's been in my box for two weeks now. Right. And I haven't even looked at it, just because I've been so busy. But Yeah. I've already told my husband that we will be out of town and doing that, so now I just need to commit to it. But I guess I better look into if we need passports for the kids.
1: Well, again, I'm not sure. I think it just depends on how old they are. I know that if you leave the country, they're absolutely going to need passports. But I think if it's just on a plane, I think you can just bring them on because they're just little.
0: Yeah. We might need their birth certificates, though.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I would probably bring something like that, Yeah. too.
0: I, I guess yeah. I better just make sure my husband hasn't lost him.
1: Oh, whatever's happening, it sounds like a story.
0: Yep. Right. Oh, and yeah. your it's can't. totally going to be a story. It's going to be a comedy of errors. Yeah. Do
1: you actually believe that your husband is the right person to maintaining important paperwork? Absolutely I'm just throwing not. that out there. Right. So yep. I think there needs to be a, yep. some additional plans made for him and anything of value that he holds.
0: Yes. Sweetie, I love you if you listen to this episode, but you are not the right person to be holding on to paperwork.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah I think you need to take that over.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to bring you back for part two. I'm just telling you, you have no choice.
1: Amen. Awesome. That'd be great. We're just going to do more yes. of this.
0: Absolutely. Listeners, I want you to visit the website, visit my website, visit the show notes at thugkimsutton.com forward slash pp496. And let us, let Devin and I know what you want us to talk about on the next conversation that we have. <laughs> Good. You're right. And what you've enjoyed most out of this episode. But Devin, where can listeners find you online, connect, and get to know more about you, your awesome marriage, or and all your weddings, and yeah, you?
1: Me? Well, Uh Can I spell that? Yes, please. Uh, D-E-V-I-N, and the last name Galladay G-A-L-A-U, D is in David, E as in Edward, T as in Tom.com. There's no space between Devin and Galladay, And there's a whole slew of things that talk about my wedding and my book that just got released, as well as uh, travel in general, because I love it. And I think you should really, like seriously, who's ever listening, if you haven't traveled before, just do it. Go pick a place and go, and I promise you, you're going to have uh, you're going to have an experience to be sure, and probably a fantastic one.
0: Absolutely, Devin. Thank you again. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners?
1: Oh, um, there's a, a slew, but I think probably my favorite and the one that I hold closest to my heart is none of it's personal. None of it people behaving like nuts and and making bad choices. And I happen to be near it. None of this stuff is personal. It's not about me. So the more it's not personal, the less likely I'm going to take it into my head and my psyche and have a rotten day because of it.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast.